Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This morning we're going to hit the pause button on our study through the book of Acts. We're going to resume it next week and look at a very interesting portion of Scripture. A little troubling to see what we're going to see next week, which is Paul and Barnabas parting ways right after a potentially divisive moment in the early church with the Jerusalem Council. That actually being smoothed out by the Lord, but then something else is about to happen uh, that might kind of strike us kind of odd, but we're going to get into that next week and, and glean some things from the separation of those two men. But this morning, we're going to take a look, a special look at how we're to respond to God's word. How we're to respond to God's word. We're going to see this in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. And I'm praying this will be an equipping sort of follow-up to what we closed out our, our time with last Sunday, where in Acts 15.35, we saw that Paul and Barnabas and many others were, were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord to the believers in Syrian Antioch. The, the teaching and preaching of God's word being central to what was happening in the early church and is still central to what we do here at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek, but the, the follow-up for us today being, well, what are we to do? How are we to respond as people who are taught God's word? We're going to gain some insight into that answer in what James, the same James from the Jerusalem Council, wrote in his epistle. And so we're going to get into it. The first thing that we're going to focus on as we look at how we're to respond to God's word is that number one we need to hear it we need to hear it that might seem like a real captain obvious sort of thing to say but it's necessary you know it's interesting I was scrolling through Instagram and came across a, a sponsored post from a church and the post said in the midst of the video that was going on and the little caption at the bottom that you could click on was we heard a word from the lord last week and on face value that is great we all want to hear a word from the lord when we come together as the people of god we want to hear a word from the lord but what struck me a little odd was that it seemed to be something significant that might not always happen. Well, we heard a word from the Lord last week. I, I want us to come away as, as people who are hopefully students of God's word, that any time the word of God is opened, we are hearing a word from the Lord because it's the word of the Lord. If it's dependent upon what my words are saying about God's word, for us to come away with something, if, if it's dependent upon a little soundbite sort of quote from me to have something stick in our hearts to produce some sort of change in our lives, then you and I might be approaching the word of God with the wrong sort of mentality. Anytime the word of God is opened, there's a word for you and me. Why? Because it's God's word. It's fully inspired. His spirit breathed it out through holy men of God. And 
the right response, number one, for you and me, is that we need to hear it. We need to hear it. Look at verses 19 through 21 of James chapter 1. James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, on a really practical note, aren't these verses so necessary for us today? I think a lot of us need to be reminded, as the old adage went, that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Because we need to listen twice as much as we need to speak. We've got a lot of speaking, but not enough hearing, not enough listening. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're, they're hearing you, but they're really not listening to you? They're hearing you, but what they're actually doing is waiting for their opportunity to speak. Because the, the moment that you stopped speaking, they, it was like as if you never even talked in the first place. They're just off and going. It's like the, the, the horse races. They're just going. It's just going. And you're like, whoa, did I even say? I don't think you even really heard me. We, we need to hear and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a necessity of that even more so, I believe, today for us to be people who really are hearing. Now, our first couple of verses here can be viewed a couple of different ways, okay? The, the first way we can view them is to see them more as just, you know, really practical guidance for our lives. And, and there is, for sure. Let's look at these three commands just in verse... 19 alone in verse 19 he first says let every man or person be swift to hear that word swift means quick or quick or, or prompt to perform something with little or no delay and that word to hear means to listen with intention an active sort of listening where you're really really listening you're really engaged Second, he says, slow to speak. And that word slow doesn't mean slow in the sense of taking a long time to do something. This word slow carries the sense of being slow to, to learn or understand or react. It speaks of a, a dullness or, or a lack of sharpness. In other words, James is saying that when it comes to listening, we need to be engaged and sharp mentally and be quick to be good listeners but when it comes to reacting with our words we need to pull in the reins of our mind we need to really take time to think through what we're hearing and and process it before you know we get to the point where we open our mouth to respond to what we've heard but then third he says slow to wrath again this is the same word in the greek when he uses the word slow for what we're to be slow to wrath in. So we're being commanded by God to be slow or dull mentally when it comes to wrath or anger. And I'm going to hit more on this passage in just a little bit. But, you know, we could see that there's definitely a lot of obvious 
practical benefits when these verses are applied to our everyday lives and situations and relationships. We could really avoid a lot of problems and solve a lot of problems by taking these verses to heart and really applying them in our lives. And you know what? The, the first view on the practical application of these verses is, is solid. We really should be taking these things to heart. We should really be praying through these things and seeking to apply them practically. But there's a, a second view of these verses that we must consi- consider, especially in light of the focus of our study, and that's the contextual perspective. We can look at these verses in a different light if we see them in their context, which we always must do and is extremely important because verses 19 and 20 actually tie into verses 18 and 21, which both are talking about the word of God. Start with reading with me again in verse 18 this time. We're going to read verses 18 through 21. Verse 18 James says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, notice, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In verse 18, James tells us that by God's will, we've been brought forth or, or we've been born again by the word of truth. Isn't that powerful? And by the word of God, you and I have been brought into a place of having new life. That's how powerful the seed of the word of God is when it's planted into the right kind of soil. It doesn't just come into our lives and, well, that was great, wasn't that? just sounded really nice, but that's the only benefit. No, the word of God actually will bring about new spiritual birth in somebody. He then begins verse 19 by saying, so then, which leads me to believe that he's referencing this word of truth that has given us new life. Now that the word of truth has given us new life, what's to be our response? Well, we need to be quick to hear the word of God. Not quick to hear what self-help gurus are saying, or what can be accessed in the abundance of podcasts, and there are a lot of them, or even what the philosophy and psychology of our world has to say. No, we need to be swift or quick to hear and be attentive to the word of truth. And it's not that you can't glean things from a podcast or or something else. But oftentimes, we are quick to listen to other people's voices before we're quick to hear what the Word of God would speak to to our lives, what the Word of God would want to speak into our circumstances. 
I mean, this happens just relationally. You ever found yourself, before you even go to the Lord about something, you're talking to somebody else about it? Before you complain to the Lord, you're complaining to other people about something? Have you ever found that when you complain to the Lord first, and he's okay with your complaints, first of all. He can handle it. Praise God for that, right? When you complain to the Lord first, it provides a filter for what you then end up sharing with somebody else. And that's a needed filter these days because, you know what, sometimes we say things in our venting that can be gossip or hurtful. It can taint the way somebody sees somebody else. And how badly we need to actually pour out our souls, our complaints, all of our problems to the Lord first. Let him sort it out. And then when we go to share with somebody, if there is some sort of counsel that's needed, we can do it in the right kind of way. But when it comes to our hearing, what really has first access to our ears, our, our minds, our hearts? Is it the word of God or is it the words of others? We need to be quick. James would write to us, to hear God's word above every other word, above, above every other voice. Listen to what Paul told the church in Rome in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We'll put this up on the screen. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you ever wondered how you can grow in your faith? How do I grow in my faith? Well, Paul tells us. We grow through the hearing of the word of God, through the intake, the absorption, the feasting on God's word. When we're hearing from the word of God, its intended result is that every or that it should affect every other aspect of our lives. Hearing the word of God really taking it in, really listening with intention, really welcoming it, letting it have its home in our hearts is what will build our faith. Which we know from Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hearing God's word affects our faith. It affects our trust in who our God is. And it and it gives us the confidence that we need in order for us to be able to approach God the way that he desires us to. You ever look back on the course of your life and you think about a time when maybe you were maybe more immature in your faith. And, and maybe if you were to try to put your finger on something back then of, of, of even feelings of uncertainty of like, God wanting you to really come to him, come to him with anything. That, that at the root of that thing was a, was a lack of confidence that stemmed from a lack of knowledge of who God is, of how God works, of, of how he sees you and me. And all of those things for us are found in God's word. When we read his word and we come to a place in Hebrews that says that he's, he's saying to us, 
to come boldly to the throne of his grace. How can we come away with anything less than taking God at his word to go, wow, we've really been given some amazing access to God. You mean I can come to him anytime with anything, anywhere? I could be here on a Sunday morning. I could be at work. And not to be gross, but you could be in the bathroom. You could seek him anywhere. And that thing still applies. And he's saying, come boldly. Why? Because he has grace and, and mercy to help in time of need. He knows that we need him. And our great need is found at the throne of grace where the king of grace sits. But you and I will have a lack of confidence that will come as a result of our lack of faith, which comes as a lack of our result of just hearing the word, taking it in, having our faith grow, having our trust grow. When we're abiding in God's word each day, when we're hearing from him, it, it affects the way that we respond with our words, the way that we react to situations and people and, and problems. When we're intentionally and actively listening to the word of God, it, it helps us to be slow to speak and slow to wrath. But on the reverse of that, when when we aren't abiding in God's word each day, when we're not really hearing from him, when his word isn't having its home in our hearts the way that it could, that also affects the way that we respond and react to situations and people and problems. If we aren't hearing God's word, we will begin to listen to other voices. The voice of the world, the voice of our spiritual enemy, the voice of our own flesh and listening to the wrong voices will lead us in wrong thinking and wrong speech and wrong actions. Instead of considering first what we're going to say and making sure that it would be pleasing to the Lord and lining up with his word, we might end up saying something dumb or hurtful or, or just answering a situation before fully knowing what's going on. And instead of being slow to wrath, because our wrath doesn't produce the righteousness of God, our desire to be right or to fix a situation that we don't like can easily bring us to a place of acting out in anger, releasing our wrath. You know, anger seems to be a popular characteristic of Christians nowadays. And someone might respond to that and say, well, Jared, it's a righteous anger, so it's okay. Right? Someone might say, is all anger bad or sinful? Well, that's a valid question. It is possible for us to have a righteous anger to be, or to be angry without being sin. But I want to listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 26 and 27, he says this about anger and wrath. He says, 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There are valid things to be angry about. Injustice, wickedness, sin, to name a few. But we have to understand that anger has to be dealt with. In that passage in Ephesians 4, Paul's saying, don't let the day pass by. Don't go to bed without dealing with that anger. Because if you do, you're giving your enemy, the devil, an in into your life by holding on to it. In our anger, we must make sure that we aren't allowing it to become sin. You know, the hard part is that anger clouds how we see things. Even when we think that our anger is a righteous anger, it's possible for us to be sinning when our pride or self-righteousness or bitterness gets mixed in with that. And that'll kind of cloud that from actually being a truly righteous anger. Jesus says that our, or I'm sorry, James says that our wrath or anger doesn't produce God's righteousness. The holding on to or, or venting or releasing of our wrath or anger will never produce righteous results or outcomes. Understand that the remedy for the wrath or anger is actually found in the first command in our passage of James, which points us to our need to hear and receive the word of God. When we're angry, we need to meditate on God's word and be still or wait upon him. As we see in Psalms chapter 4, verse 4, and Psalm chapter 119, verse 11. God's word is what will give us victory over that anger and keep us from sinning. Hearing and receiving the word of God is vitally important to us in every aspect of our lives as believers. But look again at verse 21. James says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I think the King James Version says the superfluity of wickedness. It kind of sounds cooler. But he says, And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James begins that verse by saying, therefore, in other words, because we've been brought forth by the word of truth, we need to lay aside all the filthiness, all the overflow or, or abundance of wickedness, and we need to receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls. That term, lay aside, is the same Greek word that Paul uses in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. When he tells the church in Colossae to put off the deeds of the old man. These things are not fitting for us anymore. Those things that Paul would speak about in Colossians 3 verses 8 through 10. Or they're not fitting for us anymore. Those things will actually keep us from receiving the implanted word with meekness. Because that's what we're to do. James says that we're to receive the implanted word with meekness, which means that we need to have a teachable and humble heart because the implanted word is able to save 
our souls. This saving of our souls, which the implanted word is able to do in us, speaks of both salvation and sanctification. It, it, saving us eternally, but also working in us presently. The, the implanting of the word makes me think about what Jesus said when he gave the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils in Luke chapter 8. I'm not going to have us turn there for the sake of our time this morning, but I'd encourage you, read Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15 this week. You know, really asking the Lord as we see those different soils and the way that the seed of God had an effect in those different soils or, or was hindered from having an effect and really praying through those things and asking the Lord to show us maybe where some of those soils would exist in our own hearts. There might be some thorns and weeds that have grown up in places in us that have caused us to be unfruitful or caused the word of God to be choked out in some ways in our own lives. That we would have humble and teachable hearts so that his word can go deep into our hearts and, and bear much fruit. But again, we need to hear it. That's the first part of it. The second thing, though, of how we're to respond to God's word is that we then need to live it. We hear it, and then we need to live it. Look at verse 22 with me. James goes on to say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James doesn't say, well, you know what? We just don't need to hear any more of the word. We just need to go out and do it. Because I've heard that approach in some churches even. We don't need to hear another Bible study. We just need to go do the word. No, no, keep hearing Bible studies. Keep hearing the word. Keep taking in the word. But when you're hearing it, seek to do it. Seek to live it. Seek to apply it. So that it doesn't become something for us where we've heard it. And because we haven't done it, what happens is we just become hypocrites who see a speck in someone else's eye, but the log is in our own. And instead of applying the word in our own lives, we're, look, we're taking the word and using it as sort of a, a foreign instrument that really isn't for us, but for somebody else. You know, I love it when people say that, you know, man, really, that message, that was great. I, that would have been great for my friend. It's great that there's a, a, a thought of somebody else. But there's always this part of me that wonders when somebody says something like that. But what did you get? Man, I wanna this is for this is gonna be great. That it, like a like a really like that's good. this is really what have nailed my friend. This would have nailed my, my family member. But how often is the word of God nailing you, nailing me, encouraging you, encouraging me? You know, we've seen the necessity and importance of hearing and receiving the word, but we can't only just hear the word. The hearing needs to translate into doing. There's a danger that exists for us as believers when we hear the word of God, but we don't apply the word to our lives and be obedient to the things that God has told us. And the danger, according to James, is self 
deception. We deceive ourselves. Well, I, I, I think I'm doing it because I heard it. But hearing and doing are two totally different things, right? You can watch somebody doing something incredible on television. You can study something and learn all about it. But isn't it different from actually doing it? Like, I can watch the World's Strongest Man competition. I could learn a whole bunch of things. I could go online. I could learn about these different tosses and weight things that they do and lifting and, and throwing things. And you know what? Because I've heard about it, I could think, well, I could do that. But then if I went out and did it, I might kill myself. I might die trying to lift 1,200 pounds. Hearing and doing are not the same things. I can hear something, and, and if I'm not applying that for you and me spiritually, we can actually deceive ourselves into thinking that we're somewhere in our spiritual walk that we actually aren't. That's a dangerous place to be in. It's one thing to hear Jesus say, you're to love your enemies. Pray for those. Bless them. Do good to them. But it's another thing to actually put that into practice, isn't it? We don't want to be self-deceived believers where I've heard a lot of things I've got this intellectual knowledge but it's not actually ever translated into the depths of my heart and been worked out in my life we're to be doers of the word not hearers only be doers and hearers but look at what he goes on to say in verses 23 and 24 he says for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James here likens the person who's a hearer but not a doer of the word to a person looking at their face in a mirror and then forgetting what he or she looked like. Now, probably most, if not all of us, after getting up in the morning and going about our normal morning routine before leaving the house we will consult a mirror of some sort why because we don't want to scare people when we leave the house we don't want to leave the house with dry drool still on the whole side of our face we don't want to leave the house with thinking that our hair is awesome but actually it looks crazy We want to make sure that we're not missing or, or forgetting some detail. But what if we got in front of the mirror and we, you know, scrutinized our faces to see what needed to be addressed, but then we didn't actually do anything. We left our pimples unpopped. Jared, did you really have to go there? Come on. Uh, yes, because we all have them. Come on. 
You left your pimples unpopped. You left the drool on your cheeks. Your, your, your hair looks like a rat nest. What benefit really was the mirror to us? Not much, right? The benefit of the mirror is only fully realized when we do something about what we've seen. Now, our mirrors today are a lot, a lot different than the mirrors back in biblical times. They would use glass, glass or, or some sort of polished metal as a mirror. Uh, and because of the mirrors they would use, you wouldn't even really be able to see all the details of your face completely clear. It wasn't a great mirror. You could be missing some details that needed to be addressed, but when looking into that glass or polished metal, you might think you look great and then go on your merry way, but you'd be deceiving yourself. And when we only hear the word of God, but we never live out the word of God, we make ourselves think that we're fine because we have some sort of head knowledge. We could even have entire chapters of the Bible memorized and consider ourselves somewhat of a, a scholar. But unless that knowledge is put into action, it's as James will say at the end of verse 26, it's useless. There are plenty of people in the world who have grown up going to church, many even who have heard hundreds of Bible messages and say that they believe in Jesus, but have never actually believed Jesus for salvation. Again, hearing without doing can cause us to be self-deceived. Doing, living, must accompany the hearing. In contrast to the person who looks, in, looks into a mirror to see their physical appearance but doesn't act upon what they see is, is the person who looks into the word of God to see their spiritual condition and, and acts upon what God shows them. And this is what we're to do, as we'll see reinforced for us in verse 25. And so look at verse 25 with me, our final verse here. James says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does the law of liberty is another way to describe the word of god in the new covenant god reveals to us a law but it's a law of liberty a law of freedom it, it's not a law that brings bondage but a, a law that transforms hearts and sets people free by the spirit of god looking into a mirror won't change our character it only shows our physical reflection it, it may show us flaws and imperfections but it can't change or correct the flaws and imperfections that exist apart from doing something about what we see in contrast to that looking into the perfect law of liberty the word of god will act as a mirror showing us who we really are, both spiritually and in our character. It'll show us our spiritual flaws and imperfections. It'll show us sin that needs to be dealt with, even when we don't want to see it. It'll show us. 
But unlike a mirror, the word of God has the power to change us spiritually, to change our characters, to, to cleanse the flaws and imperfections and sins that exist in our lives. But we must respond to what God's word shows us. This is the doing part. There, there must be a humility and surrender on our part when looking into the word. We need to continue in the word and, and we need to be obedient to the word. James reminds us that we aren't to be forget, forgetful hearers, but doers of the work. And this reminds me of what Paul told the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul said this, he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We don't seek to work things, uh, these things out, be doers of the word to gain salvation. We are only working out the things that God has already given to us and placed inside of us through salvation. We can only work out what God's already worked in. He's the one who works in us both to will, which means he gives us the desire, and to do, which means he gives us the ability of these things that bring him good pleasure. James isn't speaking from a perspective of salvation. He's speaking from a perspective of how we should be responding because we've already been given God's free gift of salvation. There is a blessing found in living out what God's word says to us, and it brings great stability and strength to us as we go through this life. Listen to what Jesus said and how he ended his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus said this. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Isn't that interesting? Whoever hears and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. You know, each one of us are building a house. Each one of us are building our lives on something. And you can hear the words of Jesus and think, gosh, you know what? That was really great. I've really gained some useful tools. But then you still build your life however you want. Wherever you want. 
with whatever materials that you want. And you might build something, but is it going to last? Jesus says, you, you, if you hear me and you, you do the things that I say, you'll be the wise person whose house, whose, whose life will keep on standing. The storm's going to come for the wise and the foolish. The winds are going to beat on that house. The, the, the rain's going to come. The floods are going to come. We all experience hard things. But how we hear and respond to God's word is going to have a huge impact on the outcome of what happens when those storms come. And they're going to come. It's going to make a huge outcome on the, the strength of our lives. The witness of our lives. The, the spiritual health of our lives. Wisdom is shown in not just hearing Jesus' sayings or knowing about foundations or how to build a house. It's shown in responding to his word, doing the things that he said. Jesus in his word has given us everything we need to be able to have a solid foundation in our lives. His word is that solid rock that our lives need to be built upon. And if we will just listen and obey, the house of our lives will be, will be built rightly and firmly and will be able to withstand whatever may come. Look, we're going to keep teaching and preaching the word of God here. That's always going to be central to who and what we are as a church. But listen, how you and I hear and do the word is where we're going to see real fruitfulness happen. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I, I just want to share something with you. Just a couple weeks ago in our daily Bible reading. And if you had never jumped onto our Bible reading uh, before today, you could still do it. That doesn't mean you have to start Genesis chapter 1. Like, download the church app. You can join the Bible reading plan on there. Just pick up from that day. Start from that day. If you've gotten behind, start on that day. Don't get discouraged by that. The Lord doesn't condemn you in that place. Just make a good, healthy habit of communing with the Lord in his word. But a couple weeks ago, when we were in 2 Kings, a passage really stood out to me. And I shared this with our, at our prayer meeting last week. But I love it that as Hezekiah was dealing with this situation with the Assyrians and the Assyrians had uh, the king of Assyria had sent messengers and they were talking to the people on the wall and trying to instill fear into the people of Judah that Hezekiah goes he brings this letter before the Lord runs into the house of the Lord spreads it out prays to God God answers Hezekiah's prayer through the prophet Isaiah but as he does that, sort of towards the end of that whole scene, one of the things that God speaks to the nation of Israel that would be assigned to them 
was that he talked about this sowing and reaping that was going to happen over the course of about three years, if I remember correctly. But what he said to the nation of Judah was he said, and to the remnant of Judah, the remnant of Judah will once again take root downward and bear fruit upwards. He said that the remnant of Judah will once again take root downwards and bear fruit upwards. And I, as I read that, obviously in context, God's talking to the nation of Judah. He's not wasn't talking to me or to you, but the spiritual truths behind that apply because God's desire for you and me is that our lives would take root downward, that there'd be a spiritual depth to our relationship with him. We would be connected firmly. We wouldn't be shallowly planted so that when the storms come, we get uprooted. We get messed up. We get blown over, but that our roots would go down deep into who our Lord is. We'd be like those trees planted by the river of water whose roots are receiving all the nutrients, receiving from the Spirit of God everything necessary to bear fruit upwards. And I think there's something there for us because there's a remnant. A lot has changed over the last year and a half here in the landscape of this church. Lots of different people that have been here and are no longer here and weren't here that are now here. The remnant. What's God's desire, his heart for you? I believe in this season and what's to come is that he wants you and me to take root downward and to bear fruit upwards. I believe that. I believe that's something for us today that God is wanting to speak. And part of how that's going to happen is how we respond to the word of God. How are our roots going to go down deep if our relationship with him is shallow? We're not really spending time with him. We're not communing with him in his word. We're not letting his word abide in us richly. How are our roots going to go down deep if we're not feasting on the word of God each day? How are we going to bear fruit if we're not applying the things that we're hearing, that we're learning? God wants to make our lives fruitful. Why? Because Jesus said that by this, my father will be glorified that you bear much fruit. You and I glorify God when the spirit of God is doing something in our lives, when stuff's coming out of our lives. And I, I'll always share this, but the fruitfulness of this, you know, we think about that. We think about how we get to partake of it. We, when we think of fruitfulness, we think of our benefit, don't we? When I think of fruitfulness, I think of eating the fruit. The fruit's for me. But when you're producing fruit, the fruit is not for you. Your fruitfulness, my fruitfulness is not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of others and for the kingdom and glory of Jesus Christ. When you bear fruit, it's so that others can grab it and be blessed by it. So that God can be glorified through it. Guys, as we continue to keep the word of God central, may we be those who really listen, really hear with intentionality. 
the word. Not just here on Sundays, but we're prioritizing that in our daily routines, our, our daily devotional life with Jesus Christ. Yes, prayer. Yes, worship. Yes, fellowship. But really diving deep into the word of God and the person of Christ. And then seeking to live these things, responding by doing simple obedience to the things that the Lord is speaking. You know, how do you eat a elephant? Well, we don't eat elephants. This is just a weird saying. No one should eat elephants. But if you were to eat one, theoretically, you would do it one bite at a time, right? You can't eat the whole elephant in one city. Anyways, that was a terrible example. Anyways, moving on from that. Peter's going to be after me after this one. No, but the same thing. We, we could think like, gosh, obeying the word? Man, like, you think of the whole entirety of it. You think of all the things written in it. What about the things that daily the Lord's speaking to you? And just saying, Lord, today I want to live these things. Lord, today I want to be about the things that you're speaking to me through your word just simple obedience don't overcomplicate it lord give me the power by your spirit to live these things out he will give us power to live out his word he's not calling you to something that he won't enable you to do with his help but man what kind of change will we see take place when we are a people who really hear and who really do the word of god really live it what kind of impact will that have in our own lives, with our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, with lost people that we see out and about? I think it's going to be powerful. Would you guys pray with me in these coming days? Lord, would you make us a remnant who take root downward and bear fruit upwards? Would you guys pray that with me this, this week, the coming weeks? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, it is powerful. Lord, it's what we need. Jesus, you echoed what was said by Moses, that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that, proceed, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You said that because God's word is that important for us. Lord, I pray that your word would take an even higher place, Lord, of priority in our lives. Lord, that we would have our estimation of your word be magnified. Lord, that we would see your word as even more important and more valuable than we do right now. And God, would we really dig in? Lord, would we really study and, and read and meditate on your word, Lord, and then seek to do it. Lord, seek to live it, to apply it by the power of your spirit. Lord, God, would you cause us as your people individually and also a, as a church collectively to take root downward. Lord, cause our roots to go down deep. And then, Lord, would we bear fruit upwards. Lord, we need you. God, we're thankful for the way that the mirror of your word, Lord, exposes things in our lives that don't belong. 
Let's show us maybe areas of weakness, areas of uh, uh, that that need to be strengthened. But Lord, you don't just show us, you don't just expose those things to us. Lord, you want to help us. You want to give us victory, Lord. You want to give us strength, Lord. You want to fortify us in those areas that we're weak. You're not that cruel friend that just points out something bad, Lord. You're the you're the one who's able to do something about the things that you see. God, so strengthen us. God, cause us to be healthy spiritually. Lord, to be flourishing and fruitful. God, we're in need of you. Lord, help us to know who you are. Lord, build our faith. Build our trust in you. Lord, build our confidence in you. Lord, that we would come to you. See the kind of access, Lord, that you've given us and and take advantage of that access, Lord. That, God, we would pour out our hearts to you. Lord, meet my friends today. Lord, wherever they're at. Lord, whatever areas, God, that you might be challenging us in, God, convicting us in, or, or maybe encouraging us in, Lord, would we... Would we not let those things go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, help us to really pray through those things and and bring those things to you and, and seek to see you work, Lord, in those areas. Lord, make us a powerful witness to you in this world. God, that others would be drawn to Jesus Christ through our lives. If there's anybody here today and you first just never... Maybe open your heart to Jesus Christ and you've never received his free gift of salvation. I'd love to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ today. If that's anybody here today, there you're going, that's me. Would you stand if that's you? Anybody? Maybe today as you've heard this, you're going, you know what? I've been maybe a little self-deceived. Maybe there's some I've been I've been hearing but not really doing and maybe this morning you're going I want to do it but I'm I'm finding a lack of desire or maybe a lack of power remember he is the one who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure he will meet you in that place where you're lacking in desire to change he will meet you in that place where you're lacking in power to see victory he will meet you but you need to go to him encourage you to do that this morning lord god as we respond to your word lord god would our hearts just be overwhelmed with praise with rejoicing lord that we would worship you as you deserve to be worshiped lord in spirit and in truth lord having every part of every bit of us lord as we take the communion elements lord jesus we remember your body that was broken your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, your blood of the new covenant. Lord, would you continue? Lord, the work that you've begun, continue it. Have your way, Lord, in us. Have your way in this church, Lord Jesus. Would you send your word forth in power from our lives personally, from this church collectively, Lord, that you would be known, Lord, You would be seen. People would hear you and meet with you. 
in these days. God, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.